Welcome to Corpus Christi Anglican Church. I'm Morgan, our planting clergy. Our vision of this church is to become a common people in common prayer for uncommon transformation. This podcast is where you will hear our sermons and other teachings that have happened at Corpus Christi. We primarily serve the region of Springfield, Franconia, and Kingstown. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for taking time to listen. Here's the message. Well, good morning again, everybody. Good morning. It's great to see you this morning. I'm uh, Father Morgan Reed, the vicar here at Corpus Christi Anglican Church. Um, And if you're visiting this morning or it's your first time here this summer, we've been in a series in the book of Romans uh, over the summer. That's what our lectionary has, our sort of Bible reading schedule for Sundays. And last week we spent uh, quite a bit of time talking about chapter 6 and the freedom that we have from sin and death and the resurrection of Christ um, through our baptism. And then today we're going to look at Romans 7 and 8. And as we begin, let me pray for us. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. So help us. Help us to recognize the places of sin's disorder, the places of sin's dysfunction, and then to relinquish it to you so that the Holy Spirit might shape us more into your image. We pray this in the name of Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, I was having a conversation this week about uh, with, a, with a friend of mine about a time that he was a missionary in Africa. And when he was in the field, there was a young man that came to visit him in that small village, a man in his mid-30s. And when he had arrived and got off the plane, he complained about terrible stomach issues. And then he spiked a fever. And so when they went to the doctor in this small village, uh, the doctor said to the man, you have Crohn's disease. Um, And the suggested solution from this doctor was to remove all of the man's intestines. All of the man's intestines. Fortunately... My friend's wife was a registered nurse and had as much, if not more, training than this local doctor. And she interceded and said, wait, let us not remove all of this man's intestines. Uh, Instead, they were able to just flush his system long enough to stabilize him so that they could medevac him to a larger city with uh, more adequate health care. And when the man arrived in the larger city, he did, in fact, have Crohn's disease. And they did, in fact, have to remove a small portion of his intestines. Uh, But thanks be to God that no one in that village tried to open him up and rip out all of his intestines. So that would have been a terrible and fatal solution. Uh, And it illustrates why in that particular village, my friend was saying, the life expectancy was lower than 40. So I find it so interesting, though, in that case where that doctor had enough training to diagnose the problem correctly. He was able to point out what was wrong, but he didn't have enough training to provide a good solution for it. And so, you know, medicine and science are good. They're really good things. And and, um, even better is when you have insufficient training to be self-aware about that. Right. So. Medicine and science are good, but insufficient training in in medical science can be fatal without proper self-awareness about your own limitations as a doctor. 
And so there's this really interesting parallel um, that I find with that doctor's medical training in Africa and how the law functions in this passage in Romans chapter 7. The law was good. The law was given by God to his people through Moses on Sinai, and it was good. It made them part of the salvation story. Unfortunately, it was ultimately proven to be insufficient uh, as a means of salvation from sin. It pointed people to salvation from sin, but it couldn't provide it. And that's where St. Paul is going in this chapter, in chapter 7, and where he's going into chapter 8. The law is good. It reveals the places where things have been destroyed, where there's disorder around us because of sin. But it takes God himself to act, to bring about the salvation that we long for from the disorder, from the dysfunction, from the destruction. And God's law then points people to their need for help. And what we find then is that God in the Messiah uh, has come in the Messiah to remove our condemnation and then to make us new. So in Christ, what we do is we say no to the things that are insufficient and inadequate in order to open ourselves up to the fullness of life that's promised in the Holy Spirit. That's what we do. We say no to what's inadequate to open ourselves up to say yes to the fullness of the life of God in the Holy Spirit. In chapter 6, remember from last week, God, uh, Paul had, had gone through great lengths to explain the freedom that we have in Christ. And so it's a bit surprising then when you heard uh, Spike, you read this passage really well. We, we hear in chapter 7 these phrases like, For I do not do what I want, but the very thing that I hate. Right? For I have the desire to do what's right. But I find that the evil that I don't want to do, I just keep doing. Right? Is that, is that the testimony of the free man in Romans 6? So we come to this passage in verse 21 in chapter 7. And he says, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Does he really mean that in Christ, as a Christian who is freed from sin that he finds himself frustrated that he can just never get it right. I don't think so. And I think that actually goes against the very things that he was teaching in chapter 6 and the things he's going to teach in chapter 8. So, you know, I don't think we should be reading Paul here saying this is a Christian experience, a Christian struggle, although we do know that sin is a reality, but it doesn't rule us anymore. He does acknowledge in other places in his letters that, uh, after belief in Christ, it is possible to fail, uh, and forgiveness is freely available to you. But the thing is, in Christ, when we have the freedom that's been procured by Jesus, we actually can do what is right, and we can do what pleases God, because God himself dwells in us. And insofar as we're obedient, we are entering into the life of the Holy Spirit who is indwelling us. So the good news for those who are in Christ is that Sin does not rule over you anymore. Sin's presence doesn't mean sin's rulership. And so we don't want to read Christian uh, struggle into chapter 7. But instead, the way we read chapter 7 is it's the struggle that Paul had before he knew Jesus, before he knew Christ. Because under the law, he kept finding that he wanted to do what was right. But sin kept having mastery over him. And that's frustrating. 
And so this is what we find in chapter 7 is St. Paul's autobiographical sketch as someone who was a Jew under the law before coming to the freedom that's in Jesus Christ. Sin is still present for the Christian. And again, I've mentioned St. Paul acknowledges that elsewhere. But for the Christian, we are now living in the realm of the resurrection where transformation is possible by the work of the Holy Spirit. And because we have the Holy Spirit, we can do what is good and right and pleases God. And so no matter what battle with sin we might face, remember that sin has been dealt a death blow. And so we can't ascribe rulership or too much authority to what sin's voice is saying. The law was good, right? The law was a tool. It brought awareness. But it's in the Messiah that we find summed up Israel according to the flesh and the God who comes to rescue his people. And that is what the law could not do. So if this is about St. Paul's experience in Christ, then how would this apply to us who, as I look around, I know many of you are baptized faithful followers of Jesus. How does this apply to us? And this is where I think we can look back to the man with Crohn's disease in this African village the medical training of that doctor was, was good. I mean, it was even good enough to diagnose the man's problem, but it wasn't adequate to save him from the threat of the disease. The law was good, but the law couldn't accomplish from the very problem, the deliverance from the problems that it was pointing out. So before Christ, many of us... Uh, if, if, that's, if those are years we can remember, we were looking to inadequate means of salvation. And even if we've been a Christian for longer than we can remember, there are always inadequate stories, myths, liturgies that are vying for our attention, attention and, and attempting to form us. They're still present, right? They may not have power, but they might be around us in the waters that, that we swim in. And in the end, uh, the law left St. Paul wanting. And then he cries out, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Right? Like a man in trouble, he cries out. And then almost immediately, uh, he goes into praise. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It is through Christ that he can give praise right after uh, crying out when he realizes the the situation he's in. So when we come to grips with the inadequate stories, um, the things that we find ultimately unsatisfying, those liturgies that aim to form us, thanks be to God that they don't actually have the power over us that they claim to have. Um, Maybe even the power we falsely ascribe to it. Jesus has and he continues to deliver us from that body of sin and death so that sin no longer reigns over us in any part of our lives. And so the good life um, that is promised in the kingdom of God, it starts with the mundane activities that you and I do day to day, performed by people who are redeemed by Jesus, filled by the Holy Spirit, who respond to those mundane daily activities with a sacramental and kingdom-minded imagination and curiosity it starts in the everyday so then we move to chapter 8 which is like the gospel beautifully depicted one of the most beautiful pieces of writing in christian literature we find this trinitarian reflection on what god's done for us in chapter 8 the father has sent the son whose work has been applied 
to our lives through the Holy Spirit who indwells us. The whole of the Godhead is involved in our salvation, not just condemnation from sin, not just escape from hell, but delivering us to be the people of God to reflect all that he is. And as a people now whose lives are dominated by the Holy Spirit, we're then to fashion and mold our lives and our thinking in accordance with the new identity we've been given in Christ. And so if you find yourself often in a place of anxiety, uh, maybe that's some of you in this room, this beginning of chapter 8 is a really good passage to memorize. I remember when I first came to be a Christian, I met with a couple of guys who helped me memorize different parts of the Bible. And this is one of the first things I memorized was Romans uh, chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. There, there's a deep comfort in these verses. Um, there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Anytime sin raises his ugly head at us, um, we remind ourselves that sin was already condemned. Not just the passing of a sentence on sin, but the actual execution of sin happened in the death of the Messiah. And so you can think of it, I like to think of it a bit like adoption, which isn't new to me. That's actually in the Bible. Um, you know, if we think of adoption, I was remembering a story I read last week about um, an infant who had been given into one of those safe haven boxes at a fire station. Um, this happened, to, I don't know how long ago, but the story I read last week, um, this baby was dropped off in one of those boxes at a fire station in Florida, and one of the firefighters and his wife, who had been struggling to have children for a long time, adopted this baby. And so that child is now going to grow up in a new household. That is her new identity where she's loved, where she's valued, where she's cared for. There, there might be things in the future that that child is going to have to work through with issues of abandonment. There might be places of shame associated with the fact that these aren't her birth parents, but she's not a part of the family that abandoned her anymore. Adoption nullifies that. That has been put to death. She has been adopted into this household of love, and possibility. And so her old family and the shame and the abandonment that uh, come from that no longer are able to rule over her so far, insofar as she lives into the fullness of this identity of being a member of this adopted household and living fully into that family. And so you and I, in Christ, we live in, in the new realm of the law of the Holy Spirit. The realm where Jesus is Lord, the realm where sin is condemned, and it no longer casts this long shadow of condemnation over us anymore, uh, over the different aspects of our lives, and it can't make claim over us anymore. It's like that old hymn, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine, oh what a foretaste of glory divine. There is comfort in assurance. And this passage is meant to assure these Roman believers of what God has done to give them a new identity in Christ in the kingdom of God, what he's done for us as well. Assurance is, is a comfort to those who really appreciate the gravity of sin and the gravity of its effects, the gravity of brokenness. When you contemplate the weightiness of sin, its effects in our lives, where dysfunction happens, and how God judges the world, and how sin disorders the things that are good and we're supposed to love, 
distorts our use of creation, tempts us to worship created things rather than the creator, then, and only then, once you've contemplated those things, the assurance of freedom in Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit becomes a real comfort to us. And so God has cast a bright light on us in Christ to dispel the darkness, this dark, long shadow of sin and judgment. And now in Christ, we're free to pursue the life that he has for us, to become all that he's made us to be in the beloved. And so now there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Sin has been condemned. We are not. Hallelujah. And, and so we might have these besetting sins around us. And, and by besetting sins, if you're not familiar with that term, what I'm referring to is there might be particular sins that uniquely tempt you that are sort of crouching in ambush, waiting for the right moment where you feel particularly weak to tempt us so that we might slip up and not become all that God has created us to be. Perhaps that's insecurity about how God has made us. Maybe that's discontentment about the things God has given us. Maybe it's wrath or it's unforgiveness that's just kind of simmering below the surface. Maybe it's self-sufficiency or the endless pursuit of material wealth or the thought that our time with our kids or doing menial everyday tasks are unproductive time or meaningless somehow that the kingdom of God has really high important works, but these things are not that important. Perhaps it's desiring somebody else's life rather than our own. But whatever sin it is that is besetting, that is waiting in ambush to trap us, what we need to do is the hard work of cultivating what those are, of, of, bringing them to the surface and acknowledging them so that we can confess them to the Lord, to hand them over, over and over. It's not a one and done. It's not that I've confessed everything once and it's taken care of, but there is this daily process of repentance and forgiveness. The Holy Spirit now is, is doing the work of dispelling the darkness that you and I still have lurking. Um, none of those places can rule over us. We're people who are dominated by the Holy Spirit and eternal life under the rulership of Christ the King. And in Christ, we can say no to those things that are, that are inadequate, that are insufficient, so that we can say yes and open ourselves up to all that God has for us in life in the Holy Spirit. And so as we think back today at the passage... St. Paul has walked us through the desperation of somebody who is trying to do right through the law, through inadequate means, uh, without Christ. And they couldn't figure out why they keep having the, they, they're not having the experience of deliverance that the law promised, that any inadequate liturgy promises. These things might be good, but they are inadequate in comparison to Christ. And so he comes to this conclusion that the law points us to the Messiah in whom both Israel in the flesh and God himself is embodied and comes to our rescue. The son accomplished what the Torah, the law couldn't do. Jesus provided St. Paul with freedom from condemnation, uh, the freedom that he longed for, and the possibility of true freedom and that, which is the experience of life that God has promised. So we find in this passage 
the gospel for each one of us this morning. Christ has delivered us from the law of sin and death. So that any besetting sin, any broken family system, any crippling guilt or shame no longer has to cast a long and dark shadow over the different parts of our lives, over who we are. These things don't rule over us any longer. And we're free to have life with God because the Holy Spirit is in us, which we're going to get to more next week. This amazing mystery that the Holy Spirit, God himself, dwells in us to shine the light of God's love in us to pour out the love of God in us and dispel the darkness and the brokenness so even if healing is an instant uh, which I know oftentimes we may come for prayer and then it's not instant we can have confidence though that God is at work God's at work forming us into the image of Christ through the Holy Spirit and so we can take comfort that sin is condemned already And we are not. Amen. Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, breath of God and fire of love. We cannot pray without your aid. Kindle in us the fire of your love and illumine us with your light. That with a steadfast will and holy thoughts, we may approach the Father in spirit and in truth. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who reigns with you and the Father in eternal union. Amen.